This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. The soul is eternal, and after death, that soul goes back to its forever home, carrying all of the riches it exported while still on earth. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. As I grew up without any extensive philosophical Jewish literacy, I was wholly unprepared to answer my children's questions about what happens when we die. I remember running to the library and checking out as many books as I could find, you know, from children's board books to the philosophical positions of all the world's religions. And sadly, not a single one of them was Jewish. And after much research, I settled on a story that was a version of The Lion King mixed with a little Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. Essentially, what I said was this. When we die, the body goes into the ground and it decomposes. It feeds the soil and it makes the flowers bloom. And so the circle of life continues. My son nodded sagely as he'd seen The Lion King about 7,000 times, and I hurriedly changed the subject. I thought it was a decent answer. Until one day, as my kid and I are walking down the street, he points at a front lawn that was just ablaze with color and a bloom with late spring flowers. Boy, Mom, he said, there's a lot of dead bodies under their lawn. I remember suppressing a laugh and nodding. Okay, done and done. Or so I had hoped. And then, a few years later, when a grandparent died, the conversation came up again. By that time, I'd been studying my own faith and found myself asking similar questions. Oh, they were dressed up in a more sophisticated way, but in essence, they were the identical questions. And this time, growing flowers was not going to cut it. It was at that time that I learned that we believe that a human being is a soul that comes to this planet with a body to carry it through its lifetime, that the soul has a particular set of duties and obligations, corrections, and refinements that it needs to address, and that the body is there to move it through its lifetime and enable it to do the work it needs, because a soul without a body is not able to do any self-repair, and a body without a soul is not alive. I remember I started to contemplate the idea of the body as a remote control toy car. Remember, I was a boy mom, right? And that the soul was the battery. And no matter how beautiful or fancy the car might be, no matter how expensive or impressive it was, if you took the battery, the soul out, it just wouldn't go. One of my other sons was young at the time, and that was the explanation I gave him. I said, when you die... The car goes into the ground, but the battery that's you goes back to God, who is the charging station of the human soul. Not bad, I thought. Not perfect, but certainly better than the Lion King and the flower garden. But I was still searching for a metaphor that my adult self could digest. 
And then I heard a Jewish parable that spoke to me, and I hope it'll speak to you as well. It goes like this. A man or a woman washes up on the shore of an island in their battered little wooden box of a rowboat. They're naked from the waves tearing away their clothing, covered with goo and seaweed, overwhelmed by their shipwrecked journey. As they open their eyes, they see coming towards them two adults carrying soft velvet robes, which they quickly place over the shipwrecked survivor. The two adults tenderly dry their survivor off, wrap them in the robes, and carry them up the beach and over the hill until they arrive at a palace. All of the household is so excited to see the survivor, bows and weeps with happiness. They place them on a throne and gather about, chattering excitedly. The king has returned, or long live the queen. Your majesty, we've waited so long for you to come back. We love you, and we're so happy you're here with us. The person that was shipwrecked is perplexed. You see, they're merely a simple peasant who went out for a row and got swept away by the sea. Certainly no queen or king, and certainly not accustomed to this fanfare. So they just sat and smiled in silence. And every time they opened their mouth to make a sound, the subjects around them would ooh and ah and kneel down to admire them. It felt mighty good, but they were still perplexed. That first night, the stranger was introduced to their royal family and a trusted advisor. The advisor sensed that this person was somehow extraordinary and invited them to a private meeting in the chambers. Listen, said the advisor, clearly you're confused. But you see, on this island every year someone washes up, and every year we crown that person queen or king. We give them a royal family and all the finest of things. Your food will be tasted and warmed perfectly. Your bedclothes will be warmed and snug. Your every need is responded to and celebrated. But the problem is that most of you shipwrecked people believe that this is your forever home. So you begin to collect riches and build monuments to yourselves. You focus on amassing jewels and properties and name everything after yourselves. You don't think of the royal subjects, and you tax them endlessly. You stay in your palace, and you live like the king or the queen you're told you are. But here's warning. In exactly one year, it is also our practice to strip this queen or king of their royal garb and drag them from their throne. You're brought back down to the beach as naked as the day you arrived in a small box rowboat and you're sent back out to sea. Most of these people kick and scream and demand justice. They call out saying, I'm your king or off with your head and the like. But the people who shove you back into the sea just laugh. So I'm giving you some free advice. No that you have one year only, and therefore you should not collect. You should export back to where you came from. Then none of this will come as a surprise, and when you leave the island, you'll be prepared for it and able to leave without struggle. Now, the shipwrecked person listened carefully and understood 
and thanked their trusted advisor. And during the year, they did as he suggested. They exported all of their riches back home and took care of the people. They lived simply and with an acute consciousness and gratitude. They gave to the poor and repaired the infrastructure of the island. They fixed roads and built hospitals. They fed the poor and helped the needy. And when it was time for their year to be up, they weren't dragged to the shore. Instead, they walked calmly, knowing their fortunes awaited them at their forever true home. And they weren't afraid. And then they were stripped bare, placed into that box boat, and shoved back out to sea. This parable is you and I. We arrive here and are, God willing, immediately wrapped in softness and carried home. We're admired and nurtured. We're loved and cosseted. And we are, please God, allowed 120 years to thrive and export our riches. And what are our riches? Well, there are good deeds, our mitzvahs, our acts of kindness our connection to others, our ability to see beyond ourselves. And if we do, we are rewarded in this world with love and respect. But as it says in our traditional morning prayers, the principle stays intact for us in the world to come. The soul has a journey, and sometimes it will come back to perfect itself. While it's in a body, It has the opportunity to do good, to repair the world and itself. The body is the vehicle that enables the work. It's vitally important because it houses the eternal soul. And while the body is finite, the soul is eternal. And after death, that soul goes back to its forever home, carrying all of the riches it exported while still on earth. In Perke Avot, The Ethics of Our Fathers, Rabbi Tarfon said, The day is short, the work is plentiful, and the laborers are indolent, and the reward is great, and the master of the house is insistent. He also said, It's not your duty to finish the work, but neither are you at liberty to neglect it. If you have studied much Torah, you shall be given much reward. Faithful, is your employer to pay you the reward of your labor. And know that the grant of reward unto the righteous is in the age to come. And who is our employer? We Jews believe that our boss, as it were, is God. So back to the question at hand. What happens when we die? If I had to answer that question today, I would simply say this. Our soul returns to where it came from. It carries with it all the good deeds it amassed in this world. And if it's finished its journey to completion, it basks in the front row seats in heaven, experiencing the pleasure of a life well lived and a job well done. But while we are here, we must take excellent care of the body that carries the soul, treat it with respect and dignity, because it houses the most precious part of who we are. This week, can you shift your personal sense of identity from body 
to soul by ensuring that you're amassing the precious eternal jewels of love and kindness? Can you ensure that you spend an equal amount of time caring for and feeding your soul as you do to your body? Because in these times, don't we all need to try and move soul first? Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.